You're listening to the Tri-State Sports Beat on Anchor FM. Welcome back to episode number, what number are we on? 89, wow, 96? 90 something, 90, you keep track of that. I think it's me. 96, Joe. Not me. I think it's 96. Well, we're just going to go with that. Welcome to episode number 96 of the Tri-State Sports Beat. Um, Joe and Nick back at it again, and we only have one football game to really talk about, so we're going to talk about the Jets and the Giants, the Blunder Bowl. Uh, we were in attendance, right, Joe, and it was exactly what, well, not exactly what we expected. Pretty much what was, we expected. It was... Um, it was not a greatly coached, well-played football game. Let's, let's just say that. Um, obviously, the Jets came away victorious for their second win of the season, and the Giants fall to 2-8. and eight. Um, Just some... What were, what were our thoughts as we left MetLife Stadium the other night, John? Well, I, how were I mean, you feeling? I mean, even though it was the Giants, I mean, I was still pretty surprised that we came out winning. Right. Um... I think Darnold looked a lot better than his previous weeks. Yeah. Uh, I think he's improved a little bit. I think the defensive line is amazing, really, with well, the, the with the run stuff. They're amazing for one week. I mean, well, no, no, no. And no, this is what pretty, I keep no, looking back. Yeah, they've been pretty good for, for yeah, against the run. Their the run defense is that's been relatively good. There's been that that's been their bright spot for most of the year. Um, you touched on Sam Darnold taking care of the football, didn't turn over the ball once, which Correct. was something we really liked to see. The D-backs were amazing. Yes. Um, Jamal Adams. Yep, Jamal Adams had the, probably the best game of his career. Second touchdown on the season. Yep, that's one more than Odell Beckham Jr., just saying, Wonderful. just putting that out there. Um, Jamal Adams, I you know, he had a career game. He really showed the Jets why he should be here, why you know why they should keep him around. Um and I think and, and uh, yesterday at a meeting slash press conference mm-hmm. type thing, um, the media I guess asked Jamal about staying here, and he he said he wants to be here for life. Right. So I mean, whether he's saying it just for the public or whether he's saying it because he really means it, he's he's on multiple occasions he's came out and said that he wants to be a Jet. Mm-hmm. He wants to be a jet. He wants to be a jet light, uh, uh, forever for his life, for his full for, career. For a lifetime. So, I mean, it's looking up right now, and I know you wanted to touch on the coaching of Adam Gase and how it came out. I believe it was yesterday that Christopher Johnson <clears throat> said that Adam Gase is not getting fired on this offseason right. or right now. We'll, talk, we'll touch on that in a second. I mean, that's what I mostly want to talk about when it mm-hmm. comes to the Jets. But as far as last Sunday was, I mean, I feel, you know, it's typical Jets. You know, they're going to come out there and they played and they played well. I was happy they won and everything. But again, this is an excuse, especially because they beat the Giants. I mean, let's be honest. I think Jets ownership, Jets upper management really likes to stick it to the Giants for whatever reason. I don't know. You know, they share the same building and whatever. But this is going to be one of those moral victories and one of those reasons why Adam Gase is probably staying around. Um, The game as a whole, from the Jets' perspective, and of course, after we're done talking about the Jets, we'll talk about where the Giants stand right now. Um, You know, we touched on the good stuff. Sam Darnold was good. The offensive line was better. Um, 
It wasn't good or great by any stretch of the imagination, but Sam just had enough time to make the necessary plays. We saw him throw the ball away, which is, you know, something Something you want, something you want to see out of your second year quarterback. That just means he's learning, learning the process and all that stuff. Um, It's just something that he hasn't done or hasn't, hasn't shown it's us something that, that he knows how to it's do. It's just something that he hasn't been able to process. I think that that's, that's the growing pains of an NFL quarterback. Um, you know, you have to learn. And he, Sam, you know, his style of play going back to USC, his USC days was, you know, trying to make the big play. You know, the Jets have caught themselves in second and longs, third and longs, and Sam's just trying to make the play, you know, trying to win it all in one play. And he has to realize that you can't do that, you know, you know, one play maybe is very impactful if it's successful in a game, but one play cannot win you the game. And he needs to realize that and to live to die, live to fight another day to, um, you know, for the long stretch of the game and maybe and probably even for his career, because we saw that, you know, we saw the probably the worst of Sam Darnold these past two, three weeks. And, you know, the Dallas game and a little bit of this game showed what he can do if he performs at a consistent basis but that's the that's the thing is he's got to perform at a consistent basis right. and right now it's either he's playing really high or he's playing really low mm-hmm. so that inconsistency is is my main point in worrying okay do we really have this franchise quarterback mm-hmm. um so let's talk about yesterday obviously the jets you know the jets won as a jet fan i'm like all right we beat the giants big deal we're two and seven it's you know we're still not going anywhere I still feel the same way I still feel Gase is not the coach of the future he's not the coach for this team that's going to lead them to the promised land they you know everyone that listens to this knows my opinion and yours as well but Christopher Johnson came out yesterday and basically said that there will be no coaching changes Adam Gase will be the head coach Uh, you know he will not be fired this year in the middle of this year and will remain the coach for the 2020 season um this is typical Jets, okay? Uh, am I surprised by this? No, because this ownership group continues to let me down. So I'm not surprised by anything that they tell me anymore. I don't believe, like, I'm not, if any Jet fan out there is buying into what Christopher Johnson is saying, then I, then I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. My only thing with this is that I understand, I, I think I might understand the reason behind him not wanting to fire Gaze right now or for next year. You don't want your rookie quarterback to go through three coaches in his first three years. Mm. That so, definitely has something to do with it. So I I get that. And the same thing with, uh, with Quinn Williams, because now you have to watch his performance as mm. well. Because if you're going to take out another coach, it's going to be an... Uh, uh, a new scheme for him as well. Yeah. And again, it, the Jets <laughs> are a young team. Right. They have their stars are young players, with the exception of Le'Veon Bell. Right. So I feel like, as much as I I do want Gase out mm. as of recently. Yep. I think it's the right move for now. He's not going. He. I really hope that he's not going to be the long term term solution in Christopher Johnson's eyes or. Uh, Which unfortunately is what is what I think is going to happen, just because of the way that historically that the Jets have looked at. You know, now if he starts to produce, okay. I mean, then that's not going to change my opinion. That and that's not necessarily going to change my opinion on him. I still don't think he's a great football coach. I mean, but 
I just don't understand why it the whole thing is with this with the Johnsons, they're just accepting the fact that they're two and seven right now and they're they want to continue with this head coach. I understand the relationship between your head coach, your GM, and your quarterback, all important factors, okay? But you mean to tell me if they don't win another game this year, let's I mean, let's be honest. They have the Redskins next week, they have the Bengals coming up, the Dolphins again, winnable games. Okay, winnable games. You mean to tell me if they go two and fourteen, three and thirteen, four and twelve, that you're confident in this head coach next year? Because now Gase has, um, he has, you know, Christopher Johnson has his back. So that, you know, that could mean Gase could just say, "All right, I'm going to pack it in for this year. You know, screw it, whatever. I have my job next year." Like, could we see? Could we see that happening? Like. To be honest, because the Jets have laid down for Philly, they laid down for for New England twice, and they've laid and they basically laid down for the Miami Dolphins. I mean, so I, I it, can't it, see how they didn't lay down. For it them. will not shock me whatsoever if Adam Gase just decides, all right, well, we're just going to lay down for the rest of these teams, and you know, because I have my job next year. He's got he's got reassurance that he's going to be here next year because he could say, oh, I don't think about my job. You know, I don't think about my job security. I'm focused on bullshit bullshit and again i went off on you know on the rant a couple weeks ago that i posted on igtv the ownership group the johnsons they just don't they really just don't care what the fans think and and you know granted some fans are absolute delusional i mean some fans don't really know what they're talking about mm. most of the time but i like to feel like that jets fans are very knowledgeable they want they want what's best for the team most of them but I think most of them have been through the worst and yeah. and continuing. So I think they under, I have they have the most understanding. They have the of best the interest. They have the best interest as well. So I this situation is just very tricky. You have Joe Douglas for under, under a six year contract. He's going to be here for the long run. You know, whether Joe Douglas wants his own head coach, I mean, because you think about back to when Joe Douglas was hired, Adam Gase is basically the guy that hired Joe Douglas. Mm-hmm. So it's it would be an awkward situation if Gase were to be fired by the guy that he brought here. So, you know, the Jets have put themselves in this situation. And going forward, we I think as long as Adam Gase is the head coach of this team, the Jets are not going to go anywhere. I just... He, I just don't think he's not a good football coach. I'm just going to say it. He's not a good football coach. Going back from Miami, I'm sick and tired of hearing the Peyton Manning bull crap. Okay. He, he was Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator when, you know, he's already been an MVP multiple times. He won a Super Bowl with the Colts. All right. Big deal. Like he, Adam Gase did not unlock Peyton Manning. That's just crap if you believe that. Look at, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say over and over again that Gase was bottom three in all offensive categories in his three years in Miami, and he's doing the same thing here with the Jets. Okay? It's, I'm not saying, again, the Jets have so many holes on this team. Offensive line, pass rusher, corner. You know, in some respect, they may need, you know, more offensive weapons for Sam. They're very thin at a lot of positions, but again, this all falls on Gase. And he is a lot and he has a lot of the blame. He does. And he's just I just don't think he's a good football coach. I don't think he's the guy for this job. And I and the Jets could go undefeated. They could finish the season 9 and 7 this whole year. My mind will not change. 
I'm, I will not change my opinion, all right? I hopped on the gauge train for a couple weeks, and then I saw the same crap that he did in Miami, and I was like, I knew it. I knew you know it. You knew more, it from the start. You know what's even more just diminishing about the whole coaching situation is he had Tannenhill in Miami, yeah. and now Tannenhill's in Tennessee, and we see him flourishing in yeah. Tennessee without Yates. Of course. So it's just that's that's one piece to me that I I've, I've been looking at is he's he was supposed to be this quarterback whisperer, offensive guru type coach, and. You go and leave this quarterback that mm-hmm. coming out of the draft was a, top, a, a relatively top tier quarterback, right. and now he's flourishing. Now that you're gone, now that he's gone, mm-hmm. so it's just it's frustrating to say the least. This whole thing, you know, it's pretty amazing that Christopher Johnson has the cojones to come out in front of the media after the Jets win. Do you really think if the Jets lost to the Giants, do you think that Christopher Johnson would come out and say, Adam Gase is our coach for next year. He's not going anywhere. I have full belief and full confidence in Adam Gase. No. You really think after? Of course not. Of course not. Why else would he be? And especially against the Giants. You know, why else? You know, of course that's the case. Why? Why would he do that if it was after a loss? Uh, this just shows where the priorities are of this New York Jets franchise. They, I'm, I'm telling you, they don't care about winning. They only care about selling tickets, selling merchandise, because because we got badass uniforms. You know, we're two and seven. We got badass uniforms. They only ca- they only care about making money off of this. They, c- I honestly think they could care less about whether this team plays well or wins a Super Bowl, which is a damn shame because we put all of our heart and soul into watching this freaking team every week. We buy the merchandise. Suckers like us actually buy season tickets when we have no money as it is being broke-ass college students. But no, we love this team so much, we're willing to put that on the line and go see this team every Sunday. For what? For what? Because if management doesn't care, if the ownership group doesn't care, why should we? Why should we? And then he comes and spits in our face and says, Adam Gase is going to be the coach. There will be no change Oh, I don't like where we are, but I love the like what the future holds. Christopher Johnson, you can shove it where the sun don't shine. My God, you. There's a lot of delusional Jet fans out there. He and if he calls himself a fan, he is the worst of the worst. So now they have to go play the Redskins. What do you? I want your thoughts on the Redskins. They are going to lose. The Jets. Yes. Yeah. They're gonna lose. This would be typical Jets. Adam Gase secures his job for next year, and he just goes about his merry way. They go into Washington, and they lose to a 1-8 Redskins team. You know, because you notice this past week, the Jets fans have been very quiet. They've been very quiet. Because, you know, it's kind of an awkward situation when you win a game and you're still wanting to chant, fire Gase, sell the team, stuff like that. Because the team just won a game. But... They lose to Washington. It's up there, of course, losing to Miami, getting blown, and, and all these other losses that they've had. But this would be typical Jets if they go into Washington, lay an egg, and gets the fan base all riled up again. Typical Jets. I hope they win. I mean, at this point, 
I'm I'm still not thinking about the draft because you know they're, I don't even know still, where they're picking right now. See, I wouldn't. They're picking fifth right now, and they're picking third last week. So see, the thing is, like, the back half of our schedule is very soft. Yes, it's a very soft. Other than uh, the Ravens, basically, mm-hmm. um, I think the and the Bills because the Bills have been showing some promise. I think that they have such a soft schedule that they. They could win a few more games, but I don't think it's going to be enough no. to make a playoff berth. So then no. we're stuck right in the middle of the draft. And right. at that point, who really cares? And then Joe Douglas is going to have to do some work if he wants a top-tier caliber player in this draft. And then that's probably when you see Jamal. Probably. <laughs> Jamal pop up Pro- on the headlines Probably. Again. So it's it's just a bad situation that they put themselves in. This far into the into the season, or this early into the season, yeah. I'm I'm still buying in that the players don't want to play for Adam Gase, even that's, even, that's, even though they say, oh, I'm, yeah. you know, we're glad Gase is here. I'm like, you have they have they have to say that. They can't say that they want him out. I mean, so I can't I can't really put what they say in the context, but. We all know that this guy is just not the real deal, and the Johnsons continue to keep around these awful head coaches and these toxic people in the organization because they just don't care about winning. That's all there is to say. That's all there is. They're going to go into Washington and blow chunks. I'm not guaranteeing anything. I'm not going to doubt if they give Cincinnati their first win Mm. either. I want, uh, believe me, I'm bitter, I'm angry at this team. I want them to win. I want them to do good. But, again, you beat a crummy Giants team, and you expect, and the fact that the Jets might actually win two straight games this year is too good to believe. Too good to believe. They're, I want them to win. That's what's I going want. to reel you back in, though. It, Go figure. It, Go figure. It's, tip, it's typical yeah. Jets. So they might win and reel us right back in and then set up a great matchup against the Oakland Raiders who are play, who are on the brink of a playoff berth, and then they're going to get shellacked against Oakland in front of their home fans, including us two. Yeah. So it will not surprise me whatsoever if the Jets go in there and just lay an egg against the Washington Redskins and ignite this fan base even more. I'm still fired up. We've been quiet, but I'm still fired up. I want Gase out. I want this freaking Johnson & Johnson to sell the freaking team. And I want – fans want a change. They want a change. It's not – the thing and is, we're not gonna, not, it's not going to happen. happen. It's no. not going to happen. No. Because, again, reel us back in, and they spit us right back out. But I digress because the New York Giants aren't too great either. No. They're not too great either. Despite the, 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 like That's probably one team that I kind of feel bad for because at this point in the season, yeah, you have Cincinnati. Yeah, you have the uh, Cleveland Browns who aren't playing well despite their record. And you have uh, the, Dolph- the Dolphins. If... Out of all of those teams, I probably feel the worst for Giant fans mm. because it all started with the draft. And then right. you got hyped up after you saw him in preseason and you saw him in the first few games. And now he's just, he, his ball security is just 
I mean, the stat, of course, the story, the storyline for that jet game was the was the stat line. Daniel Jones had a great stat line, passed for four, passed for four touchdowns. I think it was like three hundred something but yards. You can't, but you can't be giving the ball up, like right? That. That's exactly. the biggest thing is yep. him giving the ball up. He's he's the one providing the turnovers mm-hmm. for the other team. Exactly. Whether it's the Jets, whether it's the, the Cardinals, Cardinal, any team, any team that they've faced so far, Daniel Jones, I believe, has generated a turnover in more than 60% of those games. He has 11 fumbles and the seven of them have been lost. I mean, the ball, yeah, the ball security is the biggest thing and... After this loss to the Jets, I mean, Pat Shermer's on the hot seat. He uh, like it's like I'm questioning because the Giants are on their bye week this week, so they will not have a game. I'm questioning. I don't think it will happen. I don't think uh, the Maras will fire Pat Shermer at the bye week. I just that just doesn't make sense. But Pat Shermer, I th- if they go five and eleven, six and ten, he's gone. He's out. Like it's just it's not pretty. It is not, and you know what? It makes I think that makes sense because it's kind of like the same thing with the Jets last year. You had a young quarter, you had a rookie quarterback with a defensive head coach that was on the brink of getting out of here anyway. It's kind of the same thing for the Giants. Yeah. So like Daniel Jones, you know, if the Giants were thinking, you know, straight, they'd get Pat Shermer out of here. He's just not. A, he's just not a good head coach. Yeah. But then you're going down the same road that the Jets did. Well, not necessarily. Does anybody want to go down the same? Well, road not necessarily. <laughs> well, not necessarily. That's not necessarily true, because the Giants are so actually somewhat well run, and they actually somewhat care about winning. That's the that's the issue. Because they have a culture of winning. Exactly. But I think the Giant. I think the Maros got to get. Dave Gettleman's future is in question. I think you give him one, maybe two more drafts, and then you see where you're at at that point. I'd be surprised if he has two. Yeah. Um, you get a new head coach in here that Daniel Jones is going to be able to groom with. Not necessarily a first-time head coach because, again, Pat Shermer came in here. He didn't have so much experience. Maybe they'll get uh, McCarthy. Maybe. That would, that would be <laughs> that something, would be. right? That would be just It'll fantastic. Be like the Bill Belichick that would that would be again. just fantastic. Oh. But somebody's got to come in here. I mean, Daniel Jones has showed some promise. He's he's shown some promise here. He's been sacked 32 times. God bless him because of the offensive line last week against the Jets too because they let up six sacks against this Jets team we follow very closely and we know there's zero pass rush on that yeah. team. And they let up six sacks. You know the giant. The Giants' offensive line was a little banged up. They missed three starters, um, including Nate Solar during the game. So you know, take that with a grain of salt. But the Giants' offensive line has not been great all season long. But I think for the best interest of Daniel Jones, you know, you finish out. Pat Shermer finishes out the year. He's gone. You bring in a new coach that's experienced. I mean, before the Giants' job, Pat Shermer was a offensive coordinator. He had an. In, I think he had like two, three years maybe in Cleveland as their head coach. You know, another, you know, horribly run organization. So I think you get a new head coach in here. Pat Shermer's days are numbered, you know, absolutely numbered. I think James Betcher, the defensive coordinator, I think he sh- he's probably, if anything, he's probably the one that should be gone before the bye week and before, actually before the Giants take on the Bears in two weeks. Um, but the development of Daniel Jones is, again, if the Giants are 2-8, and eight, <laughs> I mean, they're not really going anywhere either. You know, New York football has been very 
gross to watch this year. It's not been enjoyable to cover by any means. Unless you consider Buffalo a New York team, which yes. they technically are. Which they technically are. But they got Chicago at Chicago, Green Bay at home, at Philly. They got Philly twice against Miami and then at Washington. I mean, again, Giants winnable games. You know, Chicago, I think, is going to be tough. Chicago, Green Bay, Philly, maybe you split one. You could beat uh, Miami and Washington. So, again, that's very close to five, six, you know, five, six wins. And is that enough to keep Pat Shermer around again? No. Absolutely That's if not. they could actually convert on those, though. Yeah. And, you know, the thing that was just mind-boggling against the Jets last week was Pat Shermer using all three of his timeouts with, like, four minutes to play. And, you know, the whole, you know, he's been so wrong on the challenges this year. And he's just not put his young quarterback in situations where, again, they have injury. Again, they have injuries. Ingram, Shepard, uh, you know, Golden Tate and... Darius Slayton have stepped up huge, especially Slayton being a rookie. Yeah, he stepped up huge. So, and the whole Saquon Barkley thing with the injury against the Jets, you know, only rushing for one yard on 13 carries, you know, he's got an ankle injury. The Giants have considered shutting him down for the rest of the year. You know, that's a decision they're going to have to make. And if that is the case, putting Saquon Barkley on IR for the rest of the year, that kind of tells Giant fans, hey, we're really looking for next year. Yeah, that's that's the case. Um, But again, uh, you look past Chicago and Green Bay, you got Philly twice, Miami and Washington. They're winnable games for the Giants. They are, you know, as long as they're, you know, their defense is going to struggle big time against Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. Big time Um, against Philly again, two times against Philly. You don't know what Philadelphia team you're going to get. Because mm, Carson Wentz yeah. is, you know, they've, they've been, been inconsistent on both as ever. sides of the spectrum. Yeah, Chicago with all this stuff going on with Mitchell Trubisky, you don't know who you're going to get either. But that defense, you know, Khalil Mack and Danny Trevathan and everybody, and, and that's the the piece of the Bears that you fear anyway, right? Because Khalil Mack, you know, Khalil Mack is going to rip apart your uh, mm-hmm. your offensive line. Yeah. No matter if you have a good offensive line or a bad exactly. offensive line. It's just going to be worse for either Jets or Giants yeah. if they face them. But the biggest thing going forward for the G-Men is, I mean, this defense is just bad. They're just awful. On all, like, they made Sam Darnold look very, very good last week. Not, I'm not giving up on Sam, whatever. You know, that's another conversation for another day. But if Sam were to have a good day, it'd be, it, you know, if he was going to have a good day, it would be against this Giants defense. Yeah. You know, they're just not good. And we, and we had questions before the season even started. So I think a lot of people did as well. I mean, that's what happens when you get rid of Landon Collins. You let him walk for nothing and have him go to Washington. But you think about what he's really what has he really done there because Washington is just so bad. And I don't know. The Giants are in a particular situation here. Again, they could bottom out and get the big draft and get a high draft pick. I think right now they're sitting at four, three or four right now as, as we stand. Um. I don't know. I really don't know. The development of Daniel Jones is the biggest thing. That's what the Giants should be looking. If they're going to shut down Barkley and bottom out the season, you know, you still have Daniel Jones play. It's that That's really no question. More game experience is better for him. But they're looking more toward the future, if that's the case. And whether you think the Giants can go on a little bit of a run here and, you know, finish – Seven and nine, six and ten. You know, if that's willing to, if if the Maris thing that's good enough, which I don't think it is, to keep 
Pat Shermer around, you know, Giants fans are calling for Shermer's head. And I think he's had time. I think he's had time. I think he's had a fair amount of time to try and get something out of this. So it's not like a first year thing. It, you know, he's not a first time head There's coach no, either. At this point, there shouldn't be any growing pains. No, exactly. And he's you know he's had his staff. He's I understand he's working with a rookie quarterback, but Daniel Jones has shown what he can do. You know, despite the ball security thing, somebody's got to come in here and really coach up Daniel Jones. Take care of the football, making smarter decisions, and all that stuff. That's just that's just the reality of it. And if the Giants want to be, if they think Daniel Jones is a franchise quarterback that you know they drafted him that high for, then they're going to do the best thing for him. That's just the bottom line. So the Giants have a bye week this week. They will take on the Bears on the twenty fourth at Soldier Field in Chicago, and we await the New York Jets this Sunday in Washington against the 1-8 Redskins. We will take our first break. When we come back, Knicks-Nets talk, and uh, I'm going to get a little heated about the Knicks here. They are calling for David Fisdale's head, and I could not disagree more. Joe's got hockey talk and uh, a couple of New York Metropolitans won some awards. I'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to the Tri-State Sports Beat. Don't go anywhere. Joe. Just when I started to have, like, a little bit of faith that the Knicks were going in somewhat of a right direction. They do this. Okay? I've not been happy with this New York Knicks team this this week. Okay? Let me tell you why. You went against the Dallas Mavericks, a game that you probably should not have won in a close fashion. Okay? Then you go back home to MSG. You play the... Poopy Cleveland Cavaliers, who probably are just as talented, if not just a little bit more than than them. They get blown out, destroyed, absolutely shellacked. 108 to 87. On their home court. Okay. World's most famous arena. Then, this president of basketball operations... And this general manager, who have not talked since the season started, they think it's a good idea that maybe they should address the media because they don't like where the direction of the team is going. Okay? I understand. You're 2-8 and eight at this point. Not great. Okay? But then, Steve Mills, who I have not been a fan of on the record, have not been a fan of, think this guy should have been gone way too long. He should have been gone... He's overstayed his welcome as president of the Knicks. He has the audacity to say, oh, this is where I don't think we would be. I didn't think we would be in this position. You know, we're supposed to be contending. Excuse me? Have you been watching what's going on? Obviously he has because he's not happy. That the team is two and eight. Great. Do you really think that this team is a contender with guys that are 19, 20 year olds who barely have played in the league? You know, you got a star, a so called star in Julius Randle. You got a nice piece in Marcus Morris. You got up and rising stars like Robinson, Trier, Knox, and your rookie, R.J. Barrett. 
and you think that is a winning formula and you think that you can compete with the rest of the National Basketball Association to get into the playoffs and win a championship. And then they basically set the ground rules to fire David Fisdale. Okay? How in the hell are you going to fire a man that was brought here to try and develop these young men, which I'll give it to him, he's done a pretty decent job overall. The lineups have been... Eh, they could be better. They could be better. Okay? And David Fisdale took the adult approach and was like, it all falls on me, I'm the head coach, blah, 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 did the usual head coach thing. But Steve Mills, Scott Perry, and that guy in that office up there, the guy that looks down on Madison Square Garden and plays his freaking kazoo and (laughs) is like, hey, look at what we're doing. Yeah, I'm talking about you, James Dolan, again. I thought he was doing pretty good. We're talking about the Knicks or the Rangers. This all stems from him. He's the one that told Scott Perry, Steve Mills, to go down there. Of course they wouldn't take the initiative themselves to go down there. Why would they do that? Unfreaking believable You have the audacity to think that the New York Knicks in 2019-2020 are contenders in the NBA with all of these superpower super teams. In the NBA... You think that the Knicks are a contender and they should be contending for championships. What? I think they should be fired just for saying that. No kidding. And they want to get rid of David Fisdale. A guy that was brought in here who was praised for his developmental skills. And I think he's done a decent job. He gets along with the players well. R.J. Barrett's looking, dare I say it, Almost like the rookie of the year. Okay? You have John Morant, who's, I think, the front runner right now. We both think right now is the front runner. Oh, yeah. That was my other one. Right, Joe. Okay. Because Joe likes to keep tallies on when he's right. Because it doesn't happen too often. What? That's a, that's a story <laughs> for a different day. But. Or later in this episode. Right. Zion Williamson hasn't played yet, just so you remember. I'm still, I'm still behind them. I'm still behind them. But. This is, they are, they're delusional. They are absolutely delusional. And then, on Tuesday, they go to Chicago and lose to the Bulls by 18. So, 2-9 and nine tied for the worst record in the NBA with the Golden State Warriors. Who would have who, who hey, as good as ever, Golden State. Who would have ever thought that? Just, the Knicks are who just as good as Golden State. Who would have ever thought that? And this couldn't be better. <laughs> listen, this couldn't be better timing because tonight, Thursday, November fourteenth, at eight o'clock on TNT, the New York Knicks are hosting the Dallas Mavericks, and Kristaps Porzingis. Well, they did the, their last win did come okay in Dallas. I cannot wait for Tingus Pingus, the unicorn. To come into his old home and put up a 50 spot on the Knicks. Yeah, I don't, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I was going to say, but something. Might, but, but, but I'm, but 
reel yourself he's back going in there. To, he's going in there to play well against this oh, yeah. godforsaken franchise who, again, has no idea what they're doing. I'm not talking about the New York Jets this time. I'm done with that. This franchise has no freaking idea what they're doing. Franchise-wise, who do you think is better, Knicks or Jets? Better? They're both bad. Office-wise. You know... Come on. Gun to your head. What do you do? Pick one or the other. I shoot myself. (laughs) (laughs) It's horrible to say. I don't... Obviously, I'm not serious, but... To ever think that, like... Things could be so bad with the Jets... That I put them in the same class as James Dolan, who I just, just flat out is. hate. I don't hate anybody, but I He's despise pretty close. James Dolan and everything that he stands for. But then to put the Johnsons in there with the same, you know, it's bad. It's just all around that. And, you know, they, I understand that they're upset because... I think there's like a lot there. You see, you've seen these past two games against Cleveland and Chicago that the Knicks just look like, meh. Uh, they just don't look energized. Why would you be energized? Again, I'm going to say this all year long. This team, this year, last year. Okay, but you don't you don't think they should bring somebody in to energize the team because Fisdale obviously has, isn't like doing a head coach wise. Yeah, not now. I don't like they haven't even given David Fisdale a chance to like he's had a he's had less than a year and a half with all these players. There's if you want to fire him at the end of the year, I could see. OK, sure. But like give the poor guy a shot. Like, look at what he's working with here. And let's be honest, guys like Taj Gibson, maybe Marcus Morris, maybe Julius Randle in two years. These guys are all trade bait. These guys are all going to be traded, and the Knicks are going to be accumulating draft picks and draft capital and whatever. They're going to take on bad contracts to try and lure in good players like they normally do because uh, a certain Greek freak is going to be a free agent in 2021. Do you really and, think that's going to get done? And the, yeah, Knicks, really? and the Knicks on, no. think and the Knicks think they have a Come shot on. at Giannis. They think they are the worst. They couldn't it's even. Laughable. They couldn't even get Kyrie. No. They couldn't even get. I, I don't know if they, they talked to him, but they couldn't even get DeAndre Jordan. No. And they had him. That's the worst part. They had him. They couldn't even. It's embarrassing. It's freaking embarrassing that they're already looking towards 2021. They're already looking forward to Giannis coming to New York. What is it? 10 games in? Something like that? (laughs) 11. 11 games in. They already want Giannis to why in the world, uh, except if like R.J. Barrett turns into like a superstar that everyone wants to play with, what the hell? Why would he? Do, why would he come to the Garden? Don't give me the crap anymore that the Garden is the mecca of basketball. I'm tired of it. They stink. The, the Knicks are just not cool. They're no kidding. They're not cool. <laughs> That's why I root for them. That's why they're my team. I don't root for cool teams. God, when is it going to get better? When? Will it? Will it ever get better? You can't even answer me. I'm not commenting on that. Just say no and put me out of my misery. 
not going to comment on it. It's laughable. Like it is. It's la- it it's really hysterical is. how bad all of our teams are, except for the Brooklyn Nets because they're they're hanging in they're, there. So let's talk about the competitive. Nets because the Knicks make me want to vomit. Um, a huge hit to their lineup. Karis LeVert is out. I think it's like four to six weeks. I could be wrong. Um, do you want to fact check that for me, Joe? About Karis LeVert's injury? Yeah. yeah. Um, They're coming off of a long uh, long road trip, though. Yes. So. Um, we covered the New Orleans game last week. They won against Portland 119-115. This is a game last week that we said was going to be tough, but the Nets could win it, and they did. But then they do this. They go to Phoenix. We thought Phoenix was going to be a for sure, you know, surefire win for the Nets. They lose 138 to 112. And I'll give it to to Phoenix. They're 6 and 4. They're a lot better than we all. They're, well, how much four is to, it? 4 to 6 weeks. All right, so, so I was right. Sur- after surgery to fix ligament in his thumb. Okay. So that's a serious hit for for the Nets. I mean, I mean they do they did uh, sign veteran Iman Shumpert. Iman Shumpert, yeah. Um, former Nick. Hello, how you doing? Um, but they go into Phoenix, they lose, they get they get pretty much dominated by Phoenix, and then they lose to Utah, one nineteen, one fourteen, which sets up a game tonight on TNT at Denver against the Nuggets. Um. Right now, I think as it stands, the Nets are not currently in the East playoff picture. Again, we're only 11 games in, but might as well just look at it while we can. Um, let's see. Let's see. Playoff picture. I don't think they're in the playoff picture right now. Oh, they are. They are, actually. They are the seventh in the... Wow, could you imagine if the season ended today? Boston, Toronto, Miami, Milwaukee, Philly, Indiana, Brooklyn, Cleveland. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's that's funny, um, but how are you feeling about this Nets team right now, Joe? I mean, it's like you said, it's the beginning of the season, four and six. Right. Uh, there's not much to base an opinion off of just yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking as far as playoff wise, um, individual wise, I, I think that um. Kyrie Irving is playing really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the game against the Trailblazers, the last game that they won, um, he had 33 points. Dinwiddie had 34. So, I mean, both both players that we thought were going to make a significant impact on the team mm-hmm. are doing so. Um, Prince, like I said the the other day, on our, I believe it was our last episode. Yep. Um, he's been one of those guys that you've been a surprise. You, yeah, you kind of didn't expect anything from, and and you're getting progress out of him. So mm-hmm. I think that's also good. I should mention that Kyrie Irving has landed on the injury report for the Nets, and he is questionable tonight against the Nuggets. So obviously, that would be detrimental if Kyrie was not playing. Mm-hmm. Karis Levert definitely out. He had surgery today, went su- uh, under successfully. Um, and a little bit of KD news, actually. This was mm, probably last week, but he's making strides as the Achilles rehab with the Nets continues. So, um, I mean, they're coming. They're going into a big game tonight against against the Nuggets, coming off two straight losses. Again, nothing to really worry about. The team's four and six. Kyrie Irving is just. I mean, I don't remember what is the injury here. Can I try and find it? Um, right shoulder. 
Impingement. That's an athletic training word for you, Rachel. It is. I what actually, does that mean? I actually just learned about what it. What does that Shul- mean? I actually just learned shoulder impingement today. What does that mean? Um, basically, it's like the inflammation of all the stuff. Like, they're technical words, like technical pieces um, of the shoulder, bursa, which is just something that it allows um, lubrication of the joint, basically. And... It's just basically inflamed. It's mm-hmm. kind of like bursitis, um, but that whole area just everything grows and inflames itself. So, so is this it's, something? It's hard, it's hard to lift your. It hurts to like lift your arm. And so stuff. is this something Kyrie can play through, or do you would you not recommend? Or just sitting out one game. I mean, recommendations is like you you rest it for a while, you ice it. It's mm-hmm. nothing nothing huge. Like right. it's mostly rest that helps you. It it won't won't result in any kind of uh, surgery or anything. So I think it's going to be a short stint where he's on the injury report. Right. Um, and it's basically just from overuse, which basketball players put your time. arms up all the time. So it's, All the time. Um, so, again, the Nets take on the Denver Nuggets tonight in Denver, and the Knicks will take on the – who are they playing? Oh, Dallas Mavericks. Excuse me. The return of Tingus Pingus. Porzingis, he's gonna go off tonight. I cannot wait to watch. I mean, K Porzy, K Porzy. I, I mean, they just disgust me. I need. I just need to stop talking about them. <laughs> I just can't. I can't do it. I cannot do it. We'll take our second break. When we come back. Joe has hockey stuff, so we'll talk about that. And Alonzo and Degrom win some awards for the New York Mets. That's the upside that they had for this season, so good for them. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Tri-State Sports Beat. Do not go anywhere. Welcome back to the Tri-State Sports Beat. Uh, we're going to get into a little bit of NHL action, starting off with the New York Rangers. They played uh, two nights ago against Pittsburgh. 3-2 to two win. Um, Capo Caco with an overtime goal. Uh, and a regulation goal marking the first of either Jack Hughes or Capo Caco to have two goals in a single game. I just wanted to put that out there. Of course you did. Sorry about that. Um, tonight, tonight they are playing Tampa Bay at 7 o'clock in Tampa. Uh, so the New York Rangers versus the Tampa Bay Rangers south. Um uh, always, always make sure a good matchup, yeah. especially with all the connections that they ha- do have there. Um, but I do want to rewind it just a little bit. To let's go back to the Carolina game. The Rangers won four to two over Carolina back last. F- I believe it was Friday. Um, Panarin doing what Panarin was paid to do: scoring goals. He started the scoring. Make the bread. Uh, Brendan Lemieux with a huge goal. Adam Fox again scoring. Um, so the young players, the players that are expected to uh, score and put points on the board and, and Panarin are doing so for the Rangers. As of right now, uh, Panarin has been pretty uh, a significant piece to that offense playing on the, the power play on, um, and I believe it's the first line. So... He's one of the players, and I can't emphasize this enough because it's been a long time coming for the Rangers and getting this player that they've worked so hard to get and that player finally performing. We mm-hmm. tr- we tried it with 
Shattenkirk. We tried it Good with old Rick Nash. We tried it with Rick Nash. We even tried it with Yamir Yager back in the day, and it nothing ever worked. Mm-hmm. So finally, it looks like uh, Artemi Panarin is the guy to do it. So building around him, having all these young guys like Philip Heedle. Uh, Adam Fox, Capo Caco, Brandon Lemieux. It looks like it's starting to come together, but in that 4-2 win, the Rangers only had 19 shots. Right. Carolina had 47. But Henrik stopped 45 of them. He did. And this was the game that he played back-to-back. Uh, so he played... Uh, we we talk a lot about how they've been splitting between Georgiev and, and Lundqvist, and... The night, uh, I think it was two nights before that, Lundqvist had, had the start, and then he gets the start again against Carolina. Obviously, not expecting forty-seven shots, mm-hmm. but like you said, he stopped forty-five of them. And, that, and then that's pr- that's pretty impressive for forty-plus year olds. <laughs> and then he would, and then he would go on to play his third straight game in the shootout loss against the Florida Panthers, which again he played very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as as much as the Rangers on did, as much as the Rangers did score five goals, it's a lot for a hockey game. Um, I just don't think that their defense could really do much there, and that's that's been a weak point ever since we got rid of uh, Ryan McDonough. Mm-hmm. Is our defense? I mean, so, they had. I mean, in that in the game against Florida, they had the they had the quick one nothing lead. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong thing. Um, no, you're still right. Yeah, they had a one nothing lead, um, and then they and then Alexander Barkov scores to tie the game at one. And then they get another one to go up two one in the first period for Florida, and then uh, Philip Hedel ties the game at two. But the, it seemed like the Florida Panthers were just able to match to answer to yeah, match whatever the Rangers put up. You know, um, the Panthers had a three to two lead, and then Brady Shea comes up and ties the game. Capo Caco scores a power play goal, and then again Florida answers. With a, with a goal with about 8.30 to go, or, yeah, about 8.30 to go in the second period. And then Chris Kreider, a power play goal from Fox and Panarin to make it 5-4 Rangers. And then a former devil, Brian Boyle. And former and Ranger. <laughs> Brian, I was going to say, yeah. and and who else to finish the scoring out? Brian Boyle. But Brian Boyle. Ties the game in the third period at 5 from assist from former Ranger Keith Yandel and uh, Mike Hoffman, his teammate. You know, they went into overtime, they didn't score, and then they went into the penalty shootout. Um, penalty shootout. No, yeah, it was a shootout, not a penalty shootout. Whatever, you know what I mean. And then Florida would, you know, they'd win the shootout one nothing. So, yeah, best thing to take away from this game though is the offense. The mm-hmm. offense is scoring. When you put five goals up on any team, it's an achievement. Um, like I said, I think the thing that the Rangers really have to focus on is their defensive play because mm-hmm. obviously in this game, it didn't show whether it was. They thought they got comfortable because, okay, Henrik Lundqvist could save 45 shots. Right. Um, but either way, I think the defense throughout the season so this far um, really does have to, to pick up their play a little bit. And then they go, and then they're, they're home for the Pittsburgh Penguins, who, of course, are without their captain, Sidney Crosby. Um, and this game, like you said, was all about was all Capocacco. He scores the opening goal to go up one nothing. Adam Fox scores to go up 2 nothing. Then the Penguins answer in the second period. Justin Schultz scores, and then Jared McCann scores to tie the game at two. No goals would be scored in the third, and then, then we had the Capo Caco show. 
Yeah. Scores the overtime goal from Fox and Busnevich to win the game. So the Rangers are on a nice little run here. Yeah, I think I think it's pretty impressive that even though they didn't have Sidney Crosby, they were still able to contain Evgeny Malkin. Um, and, and Brendan Russ. Brendan Russ has been playing big roles for Pittsburgh mm-hmm. as of late. So then that goaltender who was in net. And Matt Murray. Oh, you mean for the Rangers? Mm-hmm. Georgiev. Mm. Yeah. 32, uh, like I said, 30 saves on 32 shots. Like I said, I think for the uh, remainder of the season, unless somebody, one of these goaltenders really pulls away from the other, I think that split is going to continue. Fair enough. But other than that, a few stat lines for, for the Rangers. Goal-wise, Panarin's on the top with eight, Capocacco with six, and then Ryan Strom with five. Point-wise, Panarin again at the top with 19, Ryan Strom at 16, and Tony D'Angelo at 14. We didn't really mention him all that much, no. but we I think we talked about him a lot last episode where he's really trying to fill the shoes of what he was expected to do out of the draft. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's showing that he's one of those players that does have a potential on this team. And then in, in goal, goals against average, Georgiev is still on the top with 2.73. And Longquist three point two three. So, with that being said, yes, as of now, Georgiev does look like he is the top goaltender of the, of uh, of the Rangers. Well, he's really gonna have to separate himself. Yeah, from... it's it's going to take a lot more to to pull away from the Rangers' king in net. Mm-hmm. So, but with that being said, we'll move over to. The New Jersey Devils. Um, we left off on the Calgary game last week. We did not get to cover that one. So uh, a loss 5-2 to two in Calgary. Um, this game, it's it's shown even the Edmonton game, the 4 nothing game. The Devils aren't ready to move on from a rebuild yet. No. And I think that the acquisition of Taylor Hall and him not being healthy for the first two seasons of him being there has really taken a toll on on the rest of the team because you expect this guy to come in and be your worldly player. And right now it's not that way. And then you get the first overall in the draft. You get Jack Hughes. Okay, we have another worldly talent. But he's 18 years old. And the Calgary game, he put up two points. He had the opening goal of the game and then assisted on the yeah. Nikita Gusev goal. So they're they're putting a lot on Jack Hughes' shoulders. Yeah. And you know what? To be honest with you, coming from a Devils fan perspective, I'm kind of okay with that. I want. Yeah, and it's kind of like the same thing with the Knicks and R.J. Barrett. You know, David Fizdale is putting a lot on R.J. Barrett's plate. It's the same thing with the Devils, John Hines, and... And Jack Hughes. He's the number one overall pick. They're putting a lot on his plate. I think the kid is eventually going to be able to handle it. But again, yeah, like eventually. you said, he's eight. But again, like you yeah. said, he's 18 years old. So, you know, there's going to be growing pains, yeah, obviously. Absolutely. He's 18. He's younger than the both of us. Yeah. There's going to be growing pains there. The only thing, he's they've got to surround him with players that are going to assist him in those growing pains. Right. So, I mean, when you only have Taylor Hall to assist you in whether it's the goals category or just the mental aspect right. of it, it's not enough. I mean... I understand you went out and got uh, P.K. Subban and uh, Simmons, but what... Like, 
they're not worldly players anymore. They can give insight on uh, hockey IQ, right? But I just I don't think that they were the right direction mm-hmm. to go for for a player with such talent, right? And then they go into Edmonton, who I mean, to be honest with you, I thought I came into the Edmonton game, I was like, they can win this game, like they can win it pretty handily. And then they and then you lose four nothing in Edmonton. Leon Dreisaitl scores the opening goal. They score three goals in the second period, and then they add the fourth one in the third. And it was just, you know, the big penalties were, you know, Jack Hughes in the first period uh, got a hooking penalty, PK Subban slashing penalty, Blake Coleman on a on a cross check in the third period. It was just not. It wasn't great. I mean, the, as far as the stat line goes, you know, shots on goal. Devils had twenty nine. The Oilers had thirty two. And, but again, the story is Corey Schneider, 28 saves on 32 shots, and he's got an 0-4 record. Yeah. I never thought I'd say this, but give Mackenzie Blackwood the keys. I, I can't do this. And that, honestly, give Mackenzie Blackwood the keys. And that's where I was going to move to soon. Um, Blackwood, two, uh, it's not great, but a 2.94 save per, uh, goals against average mm-hmm. against Corey Schneider's 4.59. Right. And then they play, then they go to Vancouver to take on the Canucks. They win that 1-2-1. Wayne Simmons, Jesper Bratt, two goals in the first period. You know, they'd be able to, they were able to hold off the, the Vancouver Canucks. And lo and behold, look who was in that. Mackenzie Blackwood, 30 saves on 31 shots. But Devils fans don't get... No, too riled up no, because absolutely the not. game against Ottawa wasn't much. It wasn't very good no for kidding. Blackwood. Um, Blackwood, 20, 21 for 24 um, shots. It's just but again, it's too, it's too much back and forth. Right, but again, but with the Ottawa game, here's the issue. The Devils had a, they won this they won the first period. They were up two one in the first period. Mm-hmm. Nobody scored in the second period. All right, Wayne Simmons and Will Butcher both with goals, and then the third period. This is the same freaking thing with this Devils team. It's not they playing, cannot finish. It's not playing 60 minutes. They cannot it's, finish. You have 60 minutes. You have 20, 20, 20. Yep. If you can't play they 60 cannot play minutes, those, you will they not They cannot win play. I'll give it the first and second period. They're a good hockey. They're a decent hockey team. The third period, they fall apart. They cannot play the last 20 minutes. And it's the same thing. This is why I get frustrated with all of my franchises in sports because they do the same thing and they don't pay attention. They don't. There's a lack of consistency. They're consistently bad. I'll put it that way. <laughs> um, just a, just a little bit of a look forward. Uh, they're all, the Devils are off tonight, but then they go. Uh, they are home against Pittsburgh. That's a loss tomorrow night. Uh, at seven o'clock, and without Crosby, and then loss. and then Saturday they're away in Montreal, so two relatively good opponents that they're going to be playing Great. in the next two days. Now um, set up the Saturday, the uh, November thirtieth against the Rangers. Yeah, that, well, that's going to be a good game at <laughs> yeah, least. They got a, they got a couple games to go after that, but I'm already looking forward yeah. to that one. Um, they got to get there first, though. Again, a few or, stat lines: goals. Palmieri is leading the way with six. Jack Hughes and. Uh, Vatanen both have four uh, assists. Taylor Hall has 13. So playmaking ability, wow. And you know what? I I think I see a little bit of that getting moved into Jack Hughes' game Mm. because even though I tease you about him a little bit because Jack Hughes doesn't have as many goals as Capo Caco, 
He is putting up a few points in the assist department. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack Hughes has nine total points, uh, along with Taylor Hall's 15 and Kyle Palmieri's 11. Mm-hmm. So he's, it's not that he's not putting up points. He's just not putting up as many goals as I think either of us really thought he would at this point. Again, early in the season, though. Um, but let's move to a winning organization. Still the hottest in team New in New York, York right now. The New York Islanders. I knew the Islanders were not a fluke. 13-3-1. So after after the 10-win win, uh, win streak was broken in overtime we jin- I, I against got, Pittsburgh. I got to be honest. Last week we jinxed them. Because I think we did. We, jin- we jinxed them big time I because we, we were on here. They're the great. You know, they're going to extend this winning streak against the Penguins, blah, blah, blah. And then they blow a 3 nothing lead, naturally. Zizekas, Clutterbuck. Yeah. Sorry, Adam. Sorry. They were up three nothing in the second period, and then sorry about that, Alice. Mm, sorry, um, we are sorry. But they do sorry. lose. They do ultimately lose to Pittsburgh in overtime. But they got right back on track against Florida on, on that Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, winning in Florida, uh, winning in Barkley Center against Florida three to one, and then again at home against Toronto against John Tavares five to four no, last night. Wait a minute. They won in Toronto. Oh, yeah, they yeah. won the Toronto game. This yeah. Um, That's nice to stick it to John Tavares, little uh, Johnny Pajamas there. That's nice. Um, you know, they started out really well. Barzell, Anthony Bovillier, and two goals in the first period. Um, and then, of course, naturally, I don't know what's going on with the goaltender situation here, but the Islanders are kind of, I got to say, they're struggling just a little bit. I mean, if there's anything to take away like negatively a little bit, it's the it's it's the goaltender situation. Maybe, the, maybe not overall, obviously, but the past – Two three games, just mm-hmm. a, just a little, you know. They blow a two nothing lead to you know William Nylander scores the goal in the second to tie it. Anthony Bovillier had a great game with the with the go ahead goal in the second period he, to give the Islanders a three to two lead. Broussard Sezikis would add two more in the third, and then Hall and then Justin Hole and John Tavares would add on two goals in the third. But the Islanders would just escape uh, Johnny Pajamas and the. Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, and Tavares scored with only about 40 seconds left in the third. So I think that got a little heated at the end of that game. Right. But obviously it makes for good hockey. And, of course, Semyon Varlamov was in net for that one. 23 saves on 27 shots. So, you know, he could have been better. Let's just let's just say what it is. He could have been better. Um, so let's let's actually compare, if we can, let us compare our two the two New York Islander goaltenders here. Uh, so Thomas Grice, they've Grice and Varlamov have both played nine games. Uh, Thomas Grice has the edge in goals against with a one point eight eight. Varlamov a two point five six. Um, pretty even record. Thomas Grice seven and one. Varlamov mm-hmm. six and two. Um, save percentage is you know pretty identical. He's Thomas Grice has the edge here with a. Uh, point nine. Uh, I think it's it'd be ninety four point two percent, and then Semyon Varlamov would be ninety one point seven percent. So, um, but a little bit of lack and consistency here, a little ding in the armor, a little bit these past couple games for the Islanders goaltender situation, if you ask me. But um, Jordan Eberle did come back, right? I don't want to get that wrong again. He is is he back for the Islanders? Do you know? I'll do a little bit of research because yeah. I believe he was coming back. If yes. it's not, he's if played, it wasn't, if it wasn't uh, the previous game, it is real soon. He's played seven games. Yeah, he's played seven games. He's got four assists in those seven games. 
So, I mean, he's he's getting back up there. He's doing fine. But um, everyone that's played, I mean, on top is does not shock me in points. Matthew Barzell with 16 points, 8 goals, 8 assists. Josh Bailey, Brock Nelson, Derek Broussard, Beauvillier, who's coming off the big game against Toronto, 10 points, 4 goals, 6 assists. I mean, all these guys are household names for the Islanders, and they're these are all their stars who, you know, they're getting it done for the Islanders to be where they're at, where, where they're at right now. So, and if the season ended today, the Islanders would be the third seed in the Eastern Conference. So they're the real deal. If anybody tells me that they're a fluke one more time, stop it. Third, you're saying no third seed in the league. Well, in the well, I'm looking at the Eastern Conference playoff picture right now. Oh, they're in third. Yeah, behind Washington, who is at fourteen and two, and Boston, who is eleven and three. Sorry, Washington is eleven two and four. Boston is eleven three and four. While the Islanders are thirteen three and one. And uh, shocker to everybody, the New Jersey Devils in the Eastern Conference are dead last <laughs> at five, eight, and four. Can we go back? Wait, I want to. I want to ask you a question about the Devils, real go quick. Ahead. They've played in a bunch of overtime games this year, and we talked about this last week. I think. Yeah. Is this real? Is, do you think this is somewhat taking a hit? I I think it is. Yeah. Um, I think that just the extent of play, mm-hmm. you're not you're not always prepared for that. Right. And even if it's one game a month that you're playing overtime still gets to you because you're not used to it. Right. They're playing overtime games at least three, four times a month. Yeah. So it is, it's first of all, it's debil- debilitating for players because you can't get it done in regulation. Right. But goaltender wise, now you're just adding extra shots to that total mm-hmm. that they're not they're not um, prepared for. So it's just like playing in regular season or in, in regulation and getting forty shots on you every game. Mm-hmm. It's hard and it it's tiresome. Right. So I think in the long run, if this continues and they they can't um, win anything in regulation or win little in regulation. At the end of the season, they're going to be garbage. Right. And I think you had the wrong stats here, buddy. Did I? Yeah, because right now Islanders are in second in the Eastern Conference behind uh, the Capitals. Boston is number three. Mm. Um, the Islanders are 13-3-1. Washington is 14-2-4. and four. Boston is 11-3-4. Hold on a second. Mine maybe just were not updated. Yeah. Because uh, you said, I think you said 11 for the Islanders for their win total. Read but that again. Capitals, 14-2-4. 14, 14, and four. And four. Okay. Islanders, 13-3-1. and one. Yeah. And Boston, 11-3-4. That's the same thing, but they have Boston in second instead of the Islanders in second. Hmm. Way to screw me up there, SNY. Not taking any shots. Oh. I have NHL Network. It's fine. So. It's fine. No big deal. All right. So that's the NHL. We got uh, local hockey to look forward to, especially the Islanders. They're playing real well right now. Um, I guess we will touch on this story. Um, Colin Kaepernick is trying out for having a secret workout, I guess, 
Um, Secret that everybody knows about. And yeah, which is weird. But um, the NFL has issued a statement on the Colin Kaepernick workout. I'm pulling it up right now. Um, let me see. It was on Twitter. This is via NFL. 345. We are looking forward to Saturday's workout with Colin. 11 teams Arizona, Atlanta, Cleveland, Denver, Detroit, Miami, New England, New York Giants, and Jets, Tampa Bay, and Washington have already committed to attend. And it's only this, it's only Thursday. With two days remaining until the workout, we expect additional teams to commit. Former NFL head coach Hugh Jackson will lead the drills, and former NFL head coach Joe Fieldman will be in attendance as well. We will send videos. We will send video of the workout and interview to all 32 NFL teams, including head coaches and general managers. And who was that by? Who said that? That's the NFL. That's the NFL. Statement. Oh, that was okay. Okay, so I don't. What do you think? Do you think he he could have a second shot at the NFL? Do you think a team will actually that could possibly pick him up? Here's the thing: we're looking at looking 11. at Atlanta. We're looking at Denver, who doesn't really have a QB right now. Detroit isn't seeking of a quarterback that is consistent. Miami needs to do something. New England and both New York teams. I mean, maybe, but not really right now. Tampa Bay, I don't think really needs one right now. And Washington has Kirk Cousins. Here's my thing. Um, I left out Cleveland and Arizona because they're, it's Mayfield and Kyle Murray. I don't think they'll be really that pressed for a quarterback right now. The guy, and I'll just put this out there right now. I think the whole kneeling thing is behind him. Okay, I'm not even gonna like entertain the fact that NFL teams are not gonna sign him just because of that. Okay. The guy hasn't played football in four years. Okay? I'm very, like, I don't understand why all of a sudden... Okay, so you're more hesitant on him being able to actually compete at this level. Because he's 32, 33 years old, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the only thing. I don't, like, to be honest with you, now... So you're not keeping any hard feelings or anything? That's all. You know what? Let Let that go. Yeah, it's in the past. Forget about it. Okay, the NFL. They, I think we're past the. They're think, hopefully they're past this whole kneeling thing. I think this whole thing got drug out way too long. Yes, but I'm just confused about why all of a sudden they're just giving him a chance. I mean, it's fine. Like uh, well, I have nothing wrong with them giving him a chance, yeah. but like, why now? The guy's 32, almost gonna probably on his way to 33. I'm looking at his numbers right now. Career. I think it was, I think it was the publicity that it's still hanging on to. Right. Because, I mean, even a few months ago, Jay-Z, well, I think Jay-Z was more in it before. Mm. But a few months ago, it came out that Jay-Z is, like, very into the subject right, right. now. Or into the Listen, topic. There, I don't, I, there's no doubt he can play. And I'll even go as far as to say he's better than some of the quarterbacks that are playing right now. Well, that's that's my thing. Is like, and I, I'm not saying this based on my opinion on what he did. Right. I'm basing this opinion on his skill set. I think that this whole process should have been like a year or two ago. Maybe. 
Yeah. Because honestly, there were teams that needed a quarterback back then. I mean, he played. Here's his number through six years, from 2011 to 2016. He's passed for 12,271 yards, 72 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. It's a longer resume than a lot of other NFL quarterbacks that have been playing. And there was a tweet that came out. I I don't remember who it was from. It was a reliable source, though. I do remember the blue check mark. Right. Um. But they said Colin Kaepernick was the Lamar Jackson before Lamar Jackson. Oh, absolutely. And that's a great comparison. You even say he was— And now like, you see what Lamar Jackson is being able to do in mm-hmm. just his second year in right. the NFL. Mm-hmm. Come on. You got to get—you have to at least give the guy a yeah, shot. Yeah, I used—like, uh, there was a time, like, I used to hold animosity. I'll be honest. There was, like—I didn't want him in the league because I thought he was going to be a distraction. Mm-hmm. And that's the last thing that the league needs. And you know what? Now that he's out of the league, it's more of a distraction than anything. It is. That's, it is. I'm not saying that the guy can't play. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. We know what he did with the 49ers when they went to the Super Bowl. Like, that's what he's hanging his hat on. But here's the thing. If he's going to come back into the league and this all this stuff, I'm not say, I'm not going to say it's crap because it's the people's antics. it's people's opinions. Yeah. People's opinions matter. Okay? I'm all for players voicing their opinion, you know, I just prefer them not do it on the NFL stage. Yeah. That's my thing. Because I think of the NFL as a place that is your employment. Like, that is where you work. You are technically an employee. It's hard as an employee to have a voice when you're constantly being shut down. I think as an employee, you can voice your opinions outside of your place of work. That's just my general opinion. It doesn't... You know, it doesn't reflect how you feel or anybody else feels. Yeah, no, I, ag- but, I agree with it. Uh, but there's a time and place for everything. I understand you want to use the NFL as a platform, and that's fine. That's not what the NFL is made for. Exactly. There's times and places to go about these things. They're important issues. I won't, I won't get, I'm, you know, I don't mean to get too political. This is a sports talk show. Yeah. But they're important issues. They're important to him, and that's fine. But when it comes down to playing football, play football. I'm not, and I don't, and I don't say that to mean just play football and shut up. No, talk about your issues on Sunday, on Monday, on play Thursday football. when you have a game. Go play. Your go game. play football. Go do your job. Any other day, exactly. Go talk. Exactly. Go do what you got to do. Colin Kaepernick's numbers speak for himself. Okay, I just read them to you. He's better than some quarterbacks are in the league right now. Should he deserve a chance? If if it's me. I do my due diligence and give him a look. Why? Because what do you got to lose? What do you have if to lose? If he's still playing at the caliber that he went out on, I don't see why you don't exactly. pick him up. But my concern is he's been out of the league almost four years. Yeah. Can he still play? Yeah. I mean, he ha- has he been playing organized football? No. I don't, not that I know of. It all it's it's weird. It's I guarantee such a you he's complicated. Going, I guarantee thing. you his because this is combine setup. It's a setup just like the combine. It's not a real like, game simulation. Yeah, I guarantee you his numbers there are going to be off the charts. Right. I think he. I think he's going to do very well. When you put him in a game, I want to see how he works. Can he still? Because. Honestly, the offenses and defenses since he's been in the league has changed right. a lot. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, we will absolutely see. 
I don't now. I really don't. I don't have any inclining if a team, one team or another, is going to really give them a shot. Let's just say. I think Cincinnati should be in attendance. Well, they're looking more to draft a quarterback. I think is is their their thing. Um, before we go, before we wrap up, you want to talk some college football? Sure. What Alabama your, what, going yeah. down. <laughs> Thank you, LSU. Thank you. What do you? I think? was a hardcore LSU fan for that Saturday. What do you think? Do you think they still make the uh, college football playoffs? If or do they you think do, they get knocked out. If they make the college football, I mean, they're still like what two weeks. If they make yeah. the college football playoff, the committee is rigged. I'm telling you right now. Look at the freaking schedule. You want to harp on strength of schedule, strength of schedule, strength of schedule. Look at Alabama's strength of schedule. That's all I'm going to say about Alabama. LSU, they should have been number one last week. They're number one this week. Followed by, I think it, I think it's LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia. I don't know whether that's the order. I'm going to look at it right now. Um, yeah, because Georgia got in. Yeah, right now it's LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia. Clemson, yeah, again, I think they're the defending champs. Again, their schedule has been light too. I mean, like Alabama's, they you know LSU. I'm not LSU. Clemson plays in the ACC, a very weak college football division. Okay, LSU, no doubt, is the number one team in the country. Yeah, not there's not even a question. Okay, I would love, and I hate Ohio State because I I root for Michigan, obviously. The dream scenario for this college football season is to have LSU and Ohio State play in the national title game. Now, that's what, what poll do you agree with the most? You, I think you said that you like you like looking at the AP poll the most. Correct? Yeah, but in this, you have to. Yes, that's, I, I, I I know I know, but you like the AP poll the most, right? AP poll is LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama. Okay. See. That's looking at the AP poll. Uh, right now, I'm looking at the actual college football rankings. Mm-hmm. I think in the regular in the regular season, that's, the AP poll is what I go to. Okay. But in this situation, you have to look at the actual college football playoff committee rankings. Okay, so you're doing LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia. Correct. Yeah. Followed by um, Alabama and Oregon are the first two out, followed by Utah and then Minnesota, which, boy, were we right about Penn State. Penn State. Were we and right I, about Penn that, State or what? I, I think that whole thing with the color, the with the rankings coming out, I think that went straight to their head. Exactly. Straight and Minnesota is no pushover team. They are now, um, they're now nine. I think it's eight or ninth. Yeah, eight. they're eighth right now. They went from seventeen to eight. Minnesota's got a chance here, <laughs> and I'm, I don't mean to laugh. But they have a chance here. They're, you can't you can't deny it. they're still nine and zero. Oh. And I mean, yes, it's Baylor. They're also nine and zero. Do you see them making a big hop? Where are they right here? They're thirteenth. They're thirteenth. Let's check Baylor's football schedule here. Oh wait, they have Oklahoma this week. So that's a, if Baylor can pull it off against uh, against Oklahoma, who right now they are number ten. So that's a big matchup to watch. You know, we had a big matchup LSU Alabama last week. I think the game to watch this week. Is Baylor, Oklahoma in the Big 12? Uh, Matt Rule against uh, Lincoln Riley. It's, that'll be interesting. And then 
you know, the teams really looking on the outside in Oklahoma, Florida, and Auburn at 10, 11, 12, Wisconsin at 14. Michigan. Michigan's not making it. I'm sick and I'm not even going to go there. I'm surprised Texas, actually. Texas at 6 and 3 is at 19, where they are right now, followed by Iowa, um, Boise State, Oklahoma State, Navy at 7 and 1. They're only that low because they are not a power five conference team kansas state i feel like kansas state always gives a good competition k-state yeah appalachian state at eight and one i mean they have to have some kind of representative in that conference so i think right now this is as of november 12th so this is as of tuesday these college football rankings are spot on spot on okay ohio state's had wisconsin they had one tough game okay um lsu is no doubt my number one ohio state is fair at number two clemson has not played anybody really significant that's fine at number three georgia coming off the big win against vanderbilt last week but that one loss might hinder them a little bit if they slip even a little bit they don't even have to lose but if georgia slips a little bit alabama's going to be in that top four spot right there and alabama's got um let's see i don't have their schedule up in front of me here but alabama coming up their last two games are of course another cupcake game i think both of them are no um wcu is saturday and then the iron bowl against auburn so i mean oh, auburn's okay. no pushover auburn's 13th so they're no pushover either i and mean that, hey that game can come down to oh, the auburn, last possession um but a team to watch out is def my team to watch out for is minnesota absolutely Utah, too, is sneaky in the Pac-12. Oregon, I don't buy the hype around Oregon. And uh, don't take Baylor lightly because no, you, don't. Saw, you saw the Minnesota jump from 17 right. to 9, uh, seventeen if to Baylor, 8. So. If Baylor beats Oklahoma this week, which I think they can, uh, uh, Baylor's definitely in the top 10, if you ask me, if they beat Oklahoma this week. I think they may even jump Penn State and be right at that 9 spot if Minnesota stays at 8. So that's college football. I mean, we got to – I'll be definitely tuning in to Oklahoma Baylor this week. That's that's going to be a good one. Um, obviously, I'm watching Michigan, Michigan State, even though it's, you know, not really playoff implications, but uh, we'll see what happens. College football playoff is getting real, real intense as we hit the final two weeks of college football season. And then uh, just, to, just to quickly add, St. John's is killing it right now. They haven't played in conference yet, but I just got to put that out there. And Miles Powell, too, for the, for Seton Hall, going to miss some significant time due to injury. Not great for the Pirates. Not great. All right, Joe, let's finish it out. It is time for On This Day in Sports History. <laughs> All right, what question you got for me tonight? Today's trivia on November 14th, 1943. What Bears Hall of Famer threw for over 400 yards and seven touchdown passes in a single game, becoming the first NFL player to accomplish either feat? The Bears? The Bears. 1943? 43. So he was obviously a quarterback. Yeah, I'd say so. (laughs) Wow, the, I feel like I should know this. 1943. Oh, wait, I think I watched a video, something like this. Is it? Oh, no, I don't know. Is it? Oh, his name escaped me. I just watched something with him in it. I don't know if it's him, though. Um, is it? Is it Bobby Lane? 
No. Damn it. You want it? No, I want to guess one more time. Uh, 1943. <laughs> Definitely not Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> Definitely not Jay Cutler. Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer? He must have been a Hall of Famer real early then. Real early on. 1943? Wow, football question got you stumped. It's not autogram. He played for the Browns. Yeah, I don't know. This is I don't know. Ready for it? Yeah. Sid Luckman. Oh! Oh, man. God. That's a name everybody forgets. Yeah, it is. That's a name I forget. Sid Luckman. That's a well-recognized, that's a well-recognized name, too. It is. Damn it. Bobby oh. Lane was a good guess, though. I'll give myself oh. that one. Bobby Lane was a good guess. I'll put myself on that one. All right. Well, okay. Damn. Moving on. Sid Luckman. Happy birthdays to Jimmy Persol, <laughs> Willie Hender, uh, Hernandez, wow. my God, <laughs> Jack Sigma, Aaron Broughton, Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling. Schilling. Bloody Sock. Dana Doublefield. Wow, that's a good one. David Wesley. Lawyer Malloy. Lawyer Malloy. Very good. Xavier Natty. Xavier Natty. 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 <laughs> Kyle Orton. T.Y. Hilton. Kyle Orton. Wow. And Francisco Lindor. Wow. Like the truffle. There you go. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like the truffle. <laughs> I never thought of that before. <laughs> I never thought to put those two together. That was good. Like the truffle. What's, what sport does, does Lindor play? I don't know. I really don't. He plays for the Cleveland Indians. I, I, I don't know. Bad. He plays baseball. No, because it's 93. His birthday's in 93, so right. I knew he was younger. Oh, boy. Stop it. You know I don't know anything about baseball other than the Mets didn't get the playoffs. and Yeah, the I knew you were going to put that in here. And that the Yankees didn't win the World Series. I almost said Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they can. If they, right. if, if they could win the Super Bowl, they might. All right, so... He's just a bad, he's a big let's, man. <laughs> let's get to on this day. In 1970, tragedy struck Marshall University when oh. 75 people, including nearly 40 football players and much of the team's coaching staff, were killed in an airplane crash near the Tri-State Airport in West Virginia. The team was returning from a day's game, uh, that day's game, a loss to East Carolina. So, yeah, there's a... Fantastic movie about that. Is it really? We Are Marshall. You've never seen oh, We yeah, Are yeah, Marshall? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. I did. Matthew McConaughey does a spectacular yeah, job as the head coach of Marshall University. And that I think that put that situation there, and even that movie in some case, put Marshall on the map. Yeah. Because, you know, we had some, other than Randy Moss coming out of Marshall, you have... Chad Pennington came out of Marshall. He was probably one of the best quarterbacks ever come out of Marshall University. So if I, I if you have not watched We Are Marshall, one of the best sports movies in my opinion, football movies 
absolutely. at that too. That's a fantastic movie, very well done. But that is a very tragic thing that did happen because, as a result of that, this is what I'm. That's what I got from the movie. I don't know about historically if that if this is correct, but after that happened, because most of the players perished in the crash, and mm-hmm. you know, Marshall was really considering cutting their football program. They were really considering no, no longer having football, and you know, they obviously decided to go think, along with it. Yeah. They, they they had a new head coach and who Matthew McConaughey portrays, I believe, if I have that correctly. Um, yeah, that's a very tra- – that was today. That was – That's today. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. – Yeah. But Marshall University, again, like, sports is a beautiful thing where you can, you know, stuff happens in real life and you can go through – like, you have sports there to kind of heal – yeah, I, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. You, you know what I mean? It's something that brings everybody together. Yeah, and like this is a, this is a small instance, but then in, tra- in whether it's tragedy or celebration, that yeah, exactly. Like that's a for instance, you have of course like the Yankees in the World Series in 2001 after 9/11. You know George Bush throwing out the first pitch. You have um, you know you have stuff like that that you know. Sports can really bring people together in tragedy and in celebration, like you said. You said it perfectly, honestly. Um, but stuff like that, you know, it's a good movie. You should watch. It's sad. It, it's a very uplifting story at the end. Yeah, it, it always it always ends up being real good, and they succeed, and they went on to be a pretty successful college football program for the conference that they're in. Obviously, all right. Didn't mean to end on such a somber. Thing, oh no, let's let's end on a little bit of a better note. Sure. Anybody from East Strasburg University oh, yeah. can uh on Saturday Or if you or if you don't Saturday, or if you don't go to East Strasburg. Yeah, even if you don't, can go listen to ours truly, Nick Federico, on the broadcast team for the men's basketball game at mm. five thirty. So why don't you why don't you tell them where they could find you? Well, if you are in the Pennsylvania area, you can Tune in to 90.3 WESS on your uh, transistor radio there. Or your ham radio if you have one. That's really old, though. So why would anybody have a ham radio? Um, you can also, if you're not, if of course, if you're listening to this and you're from New Jersey, New York, um, you can down. I'm trying to find it right now, but I cannot seem to find it. Um, you can download the... You can go on Radio Free America. I know that. You can go on Radio Free America and just type in 90.3 WESS. Or you can download the Radio FX app. It's... For college radio only, so you can get all kinds of college radio on there. Uh, the radio station here at East Strasburg is on there. And uh, if you have nothing else to do on your on your Saturday and you're, you're watching some college football, turn on uh, WESS to listen to me. And um, Andy Perez, we will be calling the third game of the season for the ESU men's basketball team. I'll be doing play-by-play, yes, me. Doing play by play. Play by play. Let's be like do it. Jim Nance out there. It's I'm going to be at the game, I think. Well, I, I'll probably be at the game. If I'm not at the game, then I will definitely be mm. tuning in. I will be quite nervous, but we're going to, you know, we're going to do just fine. We're going to do great. If I can do this, you'll be fine. We can do that. You'll be I'll fine. be fine. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Episode number 96. We are inching closer and closer and closer. Oh, and boy, do I have a surprise for you guys on Instagram when we hit 100. Wow. It's going to be fun. We've never, I never thought we would be here. It's going to be fun. Never thought we would be here, but we are almost at 100 episodes. Thank you guys so much for listening and coming along with the ride with us. It's been fun. We're going to continue to do this until we cannot anymore. 
been fun. It's a long time. Enjoy your college, enjoy your college football on Saturday. If you're a Nick fan, a Net fan, I guess you can try and enjoy. Uh, or a Jet fan. Or if you're a Jet fan. Or fan. If you're a Jet fan, I mean, Giants have a bye week. Uh, if you're a Jet fan, it's a. I'll be crying with you. We'll be crying with you. It's fine. Hang in there. crying. Hang in there. Hang in there. Everything's going to be okay. Maybe. We'll see what happens. Thank you guys so much for listening. Stay tuned for all of our content. Follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube. Subscribe to us on there. We'll be putting up our, I think we'll be putting up our weekly NFL bets, my little snippets on IGTV. We'll be doing all that good stuff, so stay tuned for that. Thank you guys again so much for listening, all the support. We will see you guys next time, and stay tuned for our week number 11 NFL picks. If you want to interact with us, follow us on Twitter at TriState underscore Beat. Also, if you want to make an appearance on the show, send us a message on the Anchor app. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today. I want to be a part of it. New York, New York. Start spreading the news.